Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Welcome to another CI for Life podcast. It's Rick Hyland. Grateful that you're with us here today. I have a very special guest today, Joss Tapp from Pantheon and the Lucky Titan podcast. And he's grown and scaled many businesses as an entrepreneur. So Josh, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. You know, Rick, we've been talking back and forth and I'm like, man, I've got to, I've got to get to know this guy better. And we, uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah. And Josh and I are our business partners right now in the, in the entrepreneurial effort or one of the entrepreneurial efforts he's doing right now. So I'm excited to have everybody listen and meet him and see all the exciting things that Josh is up to. So Josh, why don't you give us a little bit of background before we uh, jump into your entrepreneurial efforts? Yeah, you bet. Um, honestly, my bio is pretty simple. <laughs> I'm okay. not one of those guys that likes to like share all the the different wins, but the truth is, is really what we've been doing for the last seven years is using podcasts to scale businesses, to get board positions, to you know land high ticket deals. And my background with that is many, many, many failures <laughs> and okay. learning what worked, awesome. what didn't work. And <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's just, in essence, I'm just going to give that as my 10 second synopsis. So people aren't like, Josh, quit bragging about yourself. Right? Okay. You did, <laughs> you're, you're from Idaho Falls. You did an undergrad at BYU and now you're doing this exciting Lucky Titan Pantheon and a whole bunch of other exciting things. So yeah, um, Josh, why don't you uh, tell a little bit about your key success factors to scaling a business. And I know you're going to talk about podcasting, but these things apply to any kind of business. So why don't you start yeah. us off? Well, let, let me just share this this uh, this point. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I am fighting a cold right now. So I apologize to your don't guests worry. in advance. What I found after, after starting one of my first companies, we were doing Facebook ads, which at the time is basically like starting a real estate agency, right? You're just one of you know, hundreds of thousands of people doing it. I found that if I wanted to swim with a big fish, I need to figure out what they wanted. Right. And so what, what I've looked at in business and I've found to be like the biggest success factor, as you would say, is instead of playing in small ponds, going and finding those quote unquote boys clubs that people always talk about, asking them what they want and then giving it to them. So let me give you this example. Yeah. We, uh, my Facebook ads agency, I was, I was, uh, we were doing like 200,000 a year, but I was not taking home hardly any money. And then we had one client who dropped because we overperformed, <clears throat> excuse me. So they, they came to me and were like, Josh, you've done so well. We have enough leads to last two years and they fired us. I remember going, oh, like, you gotta be kidding me. I, I did so well that you dropped me. And, and that's what I knew. I was, I'm like, I'm swimming, swimming in the wrong crowds. It was a real estate brokerage. And we, you know, they were half of our revenue. It was so lesson number one, do not let any clients be worth more than 20% of your revenue period. Um, which I know can be difficult in those early stages. But for me, that was, it was one of those moments. I just remember like my heart sinking going, I can't pay myself this month. I have all these people I've got to pay. I don't have money for. And it was that moment where I'm like, it's game over. Like the company's going to, the company's going to close. And I, I ended up, uh, I had a mastermind I had already prepaid for. And I, I sat down in this mastermind and I had, uh, I was sitting next to this guy. I didn't realize at the time, but he was worth hundreds of millions of dollars and he could tell I was just brooding, right? I'm just like, ah, oh, it's over game over for me, you know? And 
he leans over to me and he's, I'm, I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but he's like, you know, what's, what's your problem? <laughs> Why are you so upset? And, uh, he walked me through, he, he's just like, Josh, you've got a lot to share. Just start a podcast. And I go, this is like the worst possible time to start a podcast. Right. I'm like, I, I don't have any reason to start. I'm like, I'm probably going to close my company. And I made a pretty drastic decision because I started talking to him, sharing my story. And then he actually coached me for free for about a year. Really awesome guy. Still a good friend to this day. And he, but what he walked me through is he's like, Josh, you're just swimming in the wrong ponds. He's like, you need to start. Who do you really want to work with? And I remember at the time, I'm like, my sites were so small. I'm like, if I could just work, work with people worth $10 million, I'd be so happy. And he, he, he contradicted me and was like, no. Josh, you want to be swimming with like hundred millionaires, billionaires, right? right? If you, if you want to make some serious money, start a podcast, ask them what they want and give it to them. So I applied what he said. And we actually closed that company. I, I shut it entirely down, sold off my client accounts to another company. And we stopped in the Facebook space and I said, okay, over the next 60 days, I want to start swimming with, with these more success, successful people. So I reached out to like the the only person I knew who made more than $10 million, right? And he was a really good friend of mine. He came and spoke at BYU actually when I was there. Okay. Um, I came up and talked to him. Anyways, he comes into my world and I brought him on the podcast and I said, hey, I'm wanting to to get into this realm of people you know, making 100 million plus. And he goes, Josh, I have a mastermind with 80 people who are in the 100 million to billion dollar class. I'll bring them all on your show. He sent every single one of them to my show and wow. I was in game over, right? Wow. I didn't have an offer. I didn't have anything to offer them. But what I did is I just started asking them like, Hey, what do you, what do you need? And they're like, every single person responded the same way. They're like, I don't have time to make high level relationships. I need to, I need to meet other people. So I said, Hey, well, what if I put on this mastermind and pull you all together? And you know, the guy who told me to start a podcast, he was in the mastermind space. And I said, Hey, can I co-brand with you? And we launched this, we'll split the profits 50, 50. And we end up going to my guest list, inviting them all to come on. We closed, I think it was 12 to 13 people at, I want to say $15,000 within two weeks. Awesome. And I was like, what the heck? I just made more in two weeks than I've basically made in the last you know year with this Facebook ad agency. It was all profit. That was when the switch turned for me where I said, oh man, what other problems do they have that I can solve? That is like the biggest lesson I can tell people to who want to scale a business is stop trying to just hawk your crap. I'm just going to say it that way. People make these offers and they start pitching it out there and saying, who wants this? And trying to figure out who the customer is. If you just sit down with them and actually talk to them, you're going to figure out exactly what they need and they're willing to pay a lot for it. Wealthy people have money. They do not have time. So if you can do something that saves them time, they'll buy from you. Oh, that That's is my long-winded answer to you. <laughs> that is such an awesome answer. So you, you you see yourself, and I, I know this to be true just from the last few months, but you're not just a podcaster. You, you are a you know business pe- person bringing together your niche, if you will, of people to service needs, right? So you're yeah. you're always thinking bigger than just the podcast, right? Yeah. And that well, goes I appreciate your, that. What's that? I, I, I appreciate that because we sell podcasting. That's the vehicle. It's not the end game, right? right? it's the marketing channel and it ends up producing serious amounts of revenue, partnerships, everything you could want. Out of right. It. So let, let me, uh, you've talked about mastermind and I know you've used a number of different groups. What 
Say more about that for people that are nervous about spending, you know, that amount of money to get with strangers. What's the value of mastermind in all of this throughout the different time? And you've done a number of different masterminds, right? Not yeah, just- we've done like 40 some odd at this yeah. point. So um, tell, us, tell us both the ones you've sponsored and I know you've attended too as the participant. So what what's the value add there for people that are thinking about it or should be thinking about it? Yeah. I mean, joining a mastermind is actually one of the best and fastest ways to generate revenue and to get into these circles. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question and, and do an and on top of this. Awesome. What you want to be looking at, and I'm, I'm going to come down to a core business problem. If you look at $50,000 and it's, you don't think you could sell that to somebody. So if you're saying, I can't sell my offer for 50,000, you need to go spend 50,000 first. If you'll spend 50K, adjust your mindset so that you're willing to sell it. Cause you're like, well, I did it right. If you can't pass in your brain, you're like, Josh, I can't even sell for 5,000. Go buy something for 5,000. Okay. I recommend joining masterminds because there is always, always a direct ROI. What a mastermind is for those of you who don't understand this concept is you're basically getting together with anywhere from five to 20 people who are right at your same level in business, or maybe a, a little step ahead of you. And the benefit of this is that all of you have different problems that you can help solve what you want to do, right? So there's a lot of benefits of just being in the room because you get your specific needs met and you can help others do so. But this is the thing that nobody ever does. I don't know why they don't do it. But when you join a mastermind, join a mastermind that is full of your ideal customer and just sell to the other members of the mastermind. That's all you have to do. I have found that when I join a mastermind, If there's 10 people, I can close at least half the room on my service. So if you're paying $5,000 to be in a mastermind and you sell your offer for $5,000 and you only sell three to five, you've already 5X your investment. It's ridiculous. And people sit here being like, oh, I don't know how to get new leads for my business. I'm like, just join 15 masterminds and you'll pay it off in two, three months. The the benefit to this, that is my and, right? Is I go and actually sell, sell directly to the other members. But the benefit of a mastermind you will never know the true benefit until you join one because there is something about being in a room with other people who are trying to move forward. It's just, it's magic. But what I also want to caveat with this is you don't want to, it's, there's a difference between a mastermind and a group coaching program. There's a lot of benefits to joining a group coaching program because you're going to learn, there's courses, you're getting coaching. But the difference is that a mastermind the only agenda is that everybody in the room wants to make each other more money. Um, so when you join one, don't just go buy group coaching programs. There, I mean, our Pantheon is a group coaching program. So it sounds like counterintuitive. I'm saying don't go buy our program unless you're needing the education. Too many times people will go out and they'll go and buy 15, 20, 30 coaching programs. They're for learning. They are not for generating business most of the time. So that's, that's my spiel on that, but I would highly recommend that people, if you're struggling with leads, join a mastermind period. Yeah. Yeah. I'd always thought of it for, for learning, but yeah, good point. It's also a lead generation if you use it right. Yeah. So how do I find the right mastermind? Yeah. And this is, this is a great question because I'm, I'm going to caveat this by saying, look at how much money it costs to be in there and figure out how to, to get in the room. Um, I would recommend only joining a mastermind if they're charging at least 15,000 to be in the room. 
these smaller ticket masterminds, you're going to get with too small minded of people that it's not going to move it forward. And the other reason why is if you know it costs 15 to 20, 30, 50 K or whatever, you know that they are financially qualified for your service to be in the room. I'm just going to throw this out there. Rich people know rich people, right? <laughs> Being in a mastermind, you're tapping not just to the 10 people, but you're tapping into their networks. The amount of referrals that come out of this are crazy. There's one that I would actually highly recommend, and he's not even paying me to do this right now, but yeah, his name's Chris Williams. He has this incredible mastermind. I think it's like 25K, but as part of it, um, everybody's cross-referring each other and making referrals. Just being in the group, you're going to get 20 to 30 referrals a month. Referrals close at at least 30%, even if you're a horrible salesperson. Right. It's usually higher. Yeah. Yeah. It's significantly um, a higher value um, being in. So like, I recommend his always because that's the purpose of being there is to connect and get referrals. It's the fastest lead source. You don't need ads. You don't need all these other things. And there's direct ROI. But if you're going to join his mastermind, you need to make sure you have an offer that's worth 25K because you want to be able to leave saying like, at least one sale and it's paid for itself, right? Yeah, this, this ties into your first point, doesn't it? Thinking big and playing big, right? Yeah. And in big ponds versus little ponds. Yeah. Um, it's almost you get the value out that you pay for too. So yeah, great yeah. point. Okay, Josh, yeah. well, how else have you been able to be successful at growing these businesses? What are, what are our, another key success factor? Yeah, let, let me throw it this way. You don't have to be the person who provides the solution to be successful. Okay. In fact, if, if I were to start over from scratch, I wouldn't even have my own company. What I would do is I would have a podcast or some some way to get in the door with wealthy people, ask them what they need and matchmake them. Right now we do about anywhere from 300 to 400,000 a year in about 15 minutes a, a week by me just referring people that I've talked to. I have them go in and they go talk to each other. They matchmake their services. And this is this for me has generated more profit than most of my companies have because they give me referral commissions to refer each other. And I'm not referring you know, hey, go buy this course. You're going to get $15 off of, a, of a, a referral. It's more of, hey, I'm referring you this service. I get two grand a month or you know, $15,000 in one chunk. The benefit that I tell people as far as, as, as doing this methodology is you don't have, you don't need employees. You don't have any overhead. It's you just making relationships. And it sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, but I'm not. Let me just explain this with a story, right? So I've interviewed we're almost to 1700 people that I've interviewed in the last seven, seven, eight years. Wow. And of those 1500 people, I've had over 500 of them say, Josh, can we hop on a call? Cause I, I, I want to, I want to do a, a cross promo. When somebody says that to me, they're saying, Josh, I want your list. Can you refer me people? Right. Of those 500, I have had four ever send me a single referral ever. Okay. If you want to differentiate yourself in a market, send one referral, people are going to go, what the heck? You sent me a client out of nowhere. It's it's a big deal when you send somebody referrals. And if you send them three to five, they're going to be like, can we set up a long-term partnership? You don't even have to ask. This methodology, no matter what business you're in, provides huge value to whoever you're, you're referring people to. And what I will do is I'll actually go and... So let's just say I interview 10 people. I write down their offers after we're done. And I say, oh, how can I 
like cross promote them. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) How can they buy each other's offers? Um, Because they're already looking for solutions to their problems. I'm just kind of the quote unquote broker between the relationship. It's emails. I don't even have to show up to a call and they'll kick me three, five, $15,000 consistently. In the Pantheon program, I'm constantly beating this to death in people's heads. I'm like, if you do nothing else, just start referring people because you're going to generate um, cash off of that. But there's, again, I always do like a yes and type situation is on top of this, the next level of this is actually getting board positions and equity positions in companies. So I'll share a story here, right? I met two different companies. They both had apps that were very similar, but they weren't competing. They both had huge audiences. So I went to both of them and said, hey, um, I'd like to introduce you to this person because I think you guys could do a cross promo to make you some serious money. And they said, great. I actually came on the call with both of them. One phone call, right? Right after that call, they both called me at the exact same time. So I had to pick one up and then call the next one back and said, Josh, this is worth tens of millions of dollars to us. We'd like, they both gave me, one of them gave me 50,000, one of them gave me $80,000 just saying, thank you. They gave me equity positions and board positions in both companies. Wow. And all I did was send two emails, show up to one call. That's all I did, right? Great story. So right. so Josh, is this affiliate marketing or matchmaking or is it the same thing? Affiliates just when there's a formal agreement in yeah. place or how do you look at this? I look at this as, as the really ancient art of actually networking. <laughs> um, I, I think people look at it as, They've got to get these new age ways to generate cash. But the way that I look at this is it's not affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing, the problem with that term is that that's if, let's just say you have a course and I have an email list. Me sending an email to my list and saying, hey, go buy this course. And then I get like, I don't know, $50 per referral. That's affiliate marketing, right? This is next level, what I would just say, referral marketing. I really want to come up with a fancy term for it, but it hasn't hasn't really like solidified for me yet. But uh, the methodology with this and like the, the execution of this is actually a lot easier than people think. I'm talking really high level here, right? But I'm going to put this in context of if you're a tech company, right? Okay. You're at ve- you're, your offer is very cheap. You know, you're promoting it and it's like $20, $30 a month, you know, and you're saying, oh, how the heck do I do this? Building a show around your topic, like a podcast around your topic, will allow you to meet other people in the industry who are what I like to call co-opetition. Uh, let's let's give a simple example here. Let's say you have a CRM. There's like fifteen thousand CRM companies out there that everybody has a CRM for whatever, right? Odds are, if you have ten thousand people visit your website. A thousand of them are probably going to buy your service, but you have 9,000 other people. You have their information now there. Your CRM wasn't the best fit, but why don't you just set up a deal with somebody else where you can kick it over and you get a 20% recurring commission from it. It's a whole new revenue stream without you having to do any work. You just set up connections. It's done. Yeah. Um, so being, being in that space and, and being that referral marketer, that's where the real money comes in. I've met probably five other guys on the planet who do this. It's like differentiating yourself like this. It will generate partnerships for you, big deals for you to be able to generate new listeners to your show or excuse me, new new customers for your company. Even if you're a low ticket product, it just, it's thinking bigger. It's thinking, how do I swim with the sharks, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, and, and it, it does tie back to your first principle of playing big and thinking big. In the example you shared, you never had a contract in place. That was their goodwill to say 50 and 80, right? Yep. And yep. the fact that you feel felt that you could trust them and, and they could trust you, obviously. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Wow, that that is thinking big, playing big. Yeah, well, I, I hope to think bigger because I'm like, hey, that's big, but <laughs> there's, there's even bigger opportunities yeah. out there. Yeah. Right? I, I don't think... It, to speak to your your point of a contract, contra- contractual relationships like that, I, I have no better word for it other than it's icky because it feels like, hey, I'm coming to you with this broker and it's it's not providing real value, right? I have never had to ask for a referral commission ever. I send leads. If I send three people, they might close the first one and say, hey, thanks, Josh. But by the time I've sent them a third person, they're like, okay, how much money do you want? That's what they always ask me, right? And I'm like, a 20% cut is fine. That's all I need. Um, and I've never had anybody bulk at that number. It's There's no reason to have a contract in place. I've never had, it's just a gentleman's agreement. Like you said, it just works so well. Good. Okay. All right. How else have you done, grown these companies? What is a, another key success factor for people that are looking to scale? Yeah. I'm going to switch gears here and not talk podcasting for a minute. Okay. Um, I am going to talk how I came to this conclusion. So I interviewed a hundred people in a series and said, these are all people who are doing at least 10 million a year. And I asked them one question. I said, if you had to start over from scratch, what type of business would you build and how would you build it to become successful, right? To have at least a six figure income within 30 days. Um, And then I would also put the caveat of like, is it scalable to seven figures? And it was really intriguing because I got 100 different answers. Hmm. Crazy. Nobody crossed. Like, there was some key factors that crossed, but everybody had different ideas. And it made me realize it does not matter what you sell. First off, most of them lean towards high ticket. Like right? Start with high ticket so you can roll the cash in and sell low ticket products. What was so intriguing is that the, the common factor that they all had was systems, 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 systems. Mm. You can go, have you ever heard of the rule of threes? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you usually get stuck at 300,000, 3 million, 30 million, right? The the gap from 300,000 to 3 million is a systems problem. It has nothing to do with your offer. If you can get 300 grand from any offer, all you need is good systems to be able to scale to 3 million. We've we've proven that with our company, right? Is for us, I was making like 300 grand a year pretty consistently by just doing these little referrals and things like this. But then what we decided to do is say, let's form a model around this and sell that model, right? And that model is actually what has pushed us from 300,000 to the 3 million mark, right? Because it allows us to sell, again, what people need, but we already had an audience for it. And the systems, I'm just going to put a, a note on this, a pro tip. Software is not your solution. Everybody thinks they can automate and solve the life's problems with software. I can't tell you how many times we've bought a software, spent three months making sure it was perfect, only to have it like ruin our client relationships and have to cut it out entirely. It's just not worth it. There are some little software solutions that can solve the problems, like the little micro problems, but proper training of people, that's how you scale. Those are the systems. Our, uh, our number one. Oh, go ahead. Uh, just to add on to that. And, and for 32 years, mine was big business consulting. And you're absolutely right. Understand the process, 
optimize that process if it's an ongoing existing business. And then if there's a chances to, once you know and understand that, have trained it and coached it in, if there's chance to add a little bit of automation, if you will, and that's what you're talking about with the little AI, if you will. Yeah. So it's easier for the user or to interface with the client rather than, you know, oh, I've got this amazing piece of software that's just going to, you know, drive revenue. No, no. chancy. But yes, to your point of, yes, if you have a system in your sales process, your business, your fulfillment so that it's a uh, it's well known and a little bit automated, so it's simpler for everybody. That's golden, and that is the difference between three hundred and three million and thirty. Yeah, you know what's interesting though, and I, I love your point with this because the systems of people can take you to three million, but to get to from three to thirty, this is what we've been working on right now: is saying, can can we build our own automated solution? Because what will happen, right? I'm just going to give you an example of this. There's this incredible software called ClickUp. I have nothing against that, but it is so complicated and it's not custom tailored to our specific needs. That was one of those softwares. We we automate it. We put all these automations. We spent three months deep diving into this software to only lose three of our big clients because we over-automated. And it was a really awful situation because the software killed the client relationship, Right. And, and, uh, but what's interesting is that once you've hit, you know, 3 million, you can afford to pay somebody to build a custom solution that's specifically tailored to what you do for tens of thousands of dollars. It's not a lot of money. Oh, wow. You just hit one of one of my hot buttons. Yeah. (laughs) Big companies, they spend tens of millions of dollars on SAP integration. Right. And it never, my, here's my bias, never works out as promised. Right. Or even look at CRMs today. And I love the automation and the concept in it. But if you're not tracking the right leading indicators to drive your sales, I mean, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? The timelines from when I first had the offer to when I had the second call to the follow-up to the close. Well, that's great information, but that's not the real driver for sales. It's number of cold calls or number of affiliate deals or number, you know, you put the number in there. And often your CRM CRM doesn't track that. So right. it's it's driving information, but it's not driving results. So yeah, to your to your yeah. build well, a good process that. that works for your company. Yeah. Stick to that, honestly. And just to kind of finalize this point, if you're struggling and your software isn't working, it's because they are not tailored to your unit of value. Uh, what we found, so we were deep diving into all these different automations and we overcomplicated the process. When we started saying, what is our unit of value? It's one episode of content. Now I'm talking our production company, right? Yeah. When we really started tracking that, we used to have eight different people because of our software integrations that had to touch the content in order for it to go out, which is extremely ineffective and causes a hundred different places the process can fail. But when we we stripped everything, we literally just use an Excel document. We don't even use anything else. We use an Excel doc. We can now have one person run a single unit of value which becomes extremely, extremely profitable for us because we can hire people on a per episode count. So if they can do five episodes a week, we pay them. You're like, I don't know what it is. I don't even know what it is now. I'm not in the ops anymore, but like $1,000 per per episode, they're making some serious strides, but we're saving thousands of dollars and headache for our clients. And we simplified the process. We don't ever have content go out that's wrong anymore because it's one person instead of eight different hands. And then the client hops in the middle and it gets in the way. It's just, 
And that's our unit of value, right? Yeah, I, I want to underline this one more point because so many entrepreneurs are struggling with systems thinking or process thinking, right? They save the solve the same problem every quarter, right? Yeah. They got a cash flow or collections issue. And so they beat down, oh, why are we behind? They complain to each other rather than building a system of early collection of this happens at 10 days after this happens at 30. And there's a process to deal with the cash flow or receivables issues rather than, you know, solving it every quarter and yeah. priding yourself that you're working very hard. Working hard is a, um, is awesome, but it's not the end. It's the results you're after. And the only way you're going to get it to Josh's point is systems thinking, process thinking, even if you're a retail store at 3 million a year or whatever you might be, think of the problem in systems way to solve it. It'll be cheaper, faster, and better for your clients. So well done, Josh. You got, you hit one of my hot buttons. So sorry about uh, jumping <laughs> I'll in I'll let you talk, man. I love when the host opens and like runs with <laughs> yes. it. I'm like, yeah, you're saving you're it. Having you're... to come up with something good, right? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and, this, and of course that works for your sales process, your fulfillment process, et cetera. You know, it's not just sales, right? So it's, it's through your Absolutely. whole business. So anything else on this point before we move on? <laughs> I mean, we could dive down into this for 45 minutes, I'm sure, Rick, but um, yeah, happy to happy to move forward. Okay, great. Okay, so we got think big, play big. We've talked about the power of the mastermind and really uh, and that, how that helps you think big and play big. Uh, you've talked about being a connector, not just an affiliate marker, but we talked about affiliate marketing and what well, just being great at networking again, old-fashioned trusting people to to deliver and being trustworthy. Um, and then you've talked about this idea of systems thinking and process thinking. What else would you add that's really important to scale and go big? I, I'm going to touch on a previous point with this because okay. are you familiar with the value ladder concept? Uh, like, maybe not. Say it. Well, so so I'll, I'll explain it. So imagine okay. a stair step, right? So you have like a, a, a line of or a ladder, whatever you want to say. Yep. There have been a lot of quote unquote gurus who have been out there promoting, you've got to have a value ladder. I agree completely. The problem is they teach it backwards. And what they do is like, okay, start with a lead magnet. It's a free offer. And then you you have a $37 offer. And then you have a $1,000 offer or a $100 and then a thousand and then 10,000. The problem with that is getting a lead magnet to convert costs $20,000, $30,000. I'm just going right. to say it. It's the, the amount of testing and time that goes into a lead magnet is absurd. And the truth is you're not even going to break even until the third offer. Right. Right. So what I say is flip it, start, start with the high ticket, right? Because what that does is it generates the cash. It allows you to take that cash that you can roll back into solving problems. If, if you have somebody pitching to you right now, and most of you listening to the show probably aren't brand new entrepreneurs, but if you're a brand new entrepreneur, don't go down that rabbit hole if somebody's going to show you a free way to make millions of dollars. It just doesn't it doesn't work, okay? What I do recommend is find a high ticket offer that you can promote even if it's not your own. If you can find somebody who has something in your industry that can solve a big problem for your clients, sell that first. And I'll give you an example. I'm just going to say 10 grand, which I don't even really feel like is extremely high ticket, but 10 grand if if you wanted to make $10,000 off a $37 offer, you're going to have to, this is going to show how bad my math is. You're probably going to have to do like two, 300 sales, right? Yeah. That bad math, something like that. Yeah. The amount of work to get two to 300 sales is absurd. 
Right. But if you want to make $10,000 off of, you could have five conversations and you could close $10,000, even if you're a horrible salesperson, right? But then you all of a sudden have 10 grand, you can roll into solving the next problem. And I'm going to share this with our own story, right? We've been doing masterminds that we've been pricing anywhere from you know 15,000 to 50,000 to be a part of these masterminds. We close those deals. We ran that to about 1.5 million before we even went to the next offer. Right, we're not even cleared out of the lead magnet section yet. We're we're doing you know, like three million in sales, and what we've had is that we've barely started implementing what's called the Pantheon, which is our our next tier down. Right, so it's like eighteen grand is our offer there, or they can break it into monthly payments or whatnot. But that offer, we can fund it and we can fill it because we have a ton of cash we can throw at it. Right, so even if I hire somebody and they suck, it costs me fifty grand. I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll just close one more deal. Right. If you started at the bottom and you lost $50,000, you'd be like having to pull, pull from your mortgage and things like that, you know, and flipping, you know, pulling out of your, uh, your 401ks or whatnot. Right. And I hate seeing that because it's being taught backwards. Right. So I would just say, start high ticket. That, that is, man, that is, biggest great thing advice. that is really good advice. What's your thought on, uh, and I think I know we're aligned on this one, but what's your thought about the value of social media, meaning Facebook, Instagram, just the free stuff. Yeah. What's your insight there for entrepreneurs looking to scale? Because I'll get, I'll tell you, there's a bias out there that people are putting a lot of weight on that and word of mouth to drive sales. Yeah. And uh, go ahead. It's uh, worthless is the word I will use. <laughs> for immediate um, sales. There, you heard Rick Highland <laughs> and Josh Tapp completely agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should worthless make a, a co-post on this about like, this post is going to get us no money and we're going to get millions of views on it. Right. It's it's completely worthless. I just had a post go viral. We had like 1.2 million views on it. Zero dollars yeah. have been generated from that. Yeah. We may have a couple leads come in the door, but you're not going to go viral. You're not. Right. Especially if you're in the business space. Business content does not go viral because it's not entertainment, right? If you have a wicked funny commercial, that'll probably go viral, right? But... What we have found is that social media is for cultivating your existing audience. It is not for generating a new audience. Right. I'm going to illustrate this with a point. I had a guy, it was about four years ago. He had a Facebook group, okay, which is the number one place on social media to generate revenue if you want to make money uh, on social media. He had 500,000 members in this group. And all he was doing is he would post a daily quote. That's all it was. They were subscribing to his daily quote. He had this whole crazy engine that he had done so we can collect their email. And it was just so dumb. But he came to me and was like, Josh, I want to launch a mastermind. And I think all my people would be very interested in this. So we put it all together. I co-branded with him. Zero sales, not a single one off of 500,000 people. My, I filled it with my audience. We had a small little group of people at the time, like two, 3,000 people I emailed. We filled 10 seats. He didn't get to contribute at all <laughs> to that list. And I just remember going, what a waste of time and money that people put to, to grow these platforms. And I'm not going to say you can't make money with it, but it's one of the hardest ways to generate in, sales. In the business realm, you are absolutely right. Perhaps in retail for you know a, a cheap watch or a piece of clothing, right? Or not, right. Like but e-commerce, business, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well said. And that people get they waste so much time and money. <laughs> 
on that, thinking that it's going to drive sales. It does drive awareness. It drives, you know, cultivation of your group, bearing in a sense of community. But yeah, direct sales, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So thank you. Well, I just wanted somebody else to lean in on that because there's <laughs> a lot of people wasting time and money trying to start up a business, expecting sales from social media. And yeah, and, uh, and I'll just throw this point in there. People always ask me about like what I did on social media. I don't even log in. I haven't used social media in like a year. And my team manages it. So people are like, oh, that was such a great post. I'm like, thanks. My other person wrote that, right? I didn't write that because ours, we repurpose content. We put it out there so people can find us. Yeah. But it's it's worthless. It's like websites nowadays. Everybody thinks they need a website. To close high ticket deals, it's you. You don't even need a website. You don't need a logo. You don't need anything. It's your it's you and your personality that make you worthwhile. Yeah. Eventually you can pay someone to build a website, but don't go down that rabbit hole. It's just Social media is just such a beast. I could rant about this for days, but yeah, I, think I have people may. fight me tooth and nail on this and I yeah. go scoreboard, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what to we, tell you. We've, we've made our point. Hopefully people are listening, particularly in the business, you know, B2B uh, side, like just please just don't, don't waste a lot of time expecting a lot of direct sales. So yeah. brag a little bit. Tell us about uh, the Lucky Titan podcast. How big is it? How many... I mean, how did you draw any other nuggets when you think about the podcast specifically, not your other businesses, how you drove that to success, but brag a little bit, tell us some numbers. Yeah, you're big happy, in this space. <laughs> happy to do so. Um, our show, so the lucky Titan, um, we're in the top 10, pretty much any given time in marketing entrepreneurship. We're doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a month is right where we sit. Wow. Um, and that's all fine and dandy. Right. But we make way more money from our guests than we do from, from the listenership. But what we found is that that cultivates the relationships with our audience. Like they, they will follow us, listen to us and and stay in our world because of the show. I, uh, I'm not a big bragger. If, if that makes sense, I like talking numbers, but I try not to be like, Oh yeah, we've made X amount of dollars because I'm so cool. Right. Ultimately it's systems systems have made it there when it comes to podcasting. Um, the reason why we're successful, I'll throw it out there, is that we test and try and we spend lots of money. Lots of money. If you are in the podcast space or want to start a podcast, don't kid yourself thinking you're going to build an audience in podcasting. Right now, it's an extremely competitive space because I'm going to throw some stats out there for you. The data behind podcasting, there are 100 million active listeners to podcasts right now. 60 million are in the US, 20 million are in the UK. And then the rest of those are scattered throughout the world. The market hasn't even opened into Brazil, China, India. There's huge potential right now for podcasting, but there's 400,000 active shows. There's 3 million out there, but 400,000 that actually matter because the rest of them, they published once and quit. Um, but what's so intriguing about this space is the reason why we have been successful is we have bought our way there. Okay. If you want to grow and you want to see your numbers increase on any platform, quit trying to play the free game. doesn't work. Generate revenue, roll it into what you do. So like, for example, what we do, we teach this in the Pantheon. We generate sales, right? So I'll, I'll close a few people on the Pantheon through my sales team. Half of that money, we roll into profitability in the company. The other half, we roll into marketing. And that other half can generate the next 10 to 15 months worth of listenership right off the bat, right? And there's some free ways to kind of get yourself started. But if you want to be big, A, you need to focus on your content, making sure you have good content. I mean, Rick, you're doing a great job. I love this interview. You're asking really good questions. 
um, especially because you're you're asking the same one again and again, which I <laughs> love because it makes me have to dig, right? right? People come in and especially in the B2B sector, it's the most boring content because they're not entertaining. They're not getting to that that depth. But what I can tell you is that our success is directly tried, uh, tied to spending the money. Well, um, this is this is this ties into the beautiful theme of this whole podcast. Think big, play big. So it ties back to principle number one again. I yeah. love this idea of test and try and spend. So where are you? Because this is a big issue for entrepreneurs. They want to do it as cheap as possible, and sometimes being cheap can hold you back from real serious business growth. To your point, and I completely agree. So, how do you think about the words risk and failure? How has an entrepreneur in your mind, you've already mentioned at the beginning, you failed lots. You've already yeah. mentioned one of your strategies, test, try, spend money. So how do you think about that? How do successful entrepreneurs think about risk and failure? I, I don't believe in risk. I'll be completely honest. Okay. Um, I I think that, so, so I come from, so my, I did my undergraduate degree in finance and I did my MBA and they're constantly talking risk reward, risk reward, right? And the truth is, is that there is no risky investment if you're not betting your betting on the house. That makes sense. Like throwing all of your money Everything. in one place. All chips in, right? Yeah, I don't believe in the all chips in approach. I I look at profitability and I say let's play the long game. The number one problem in the entrepreneurial space is we eat the the golden goose, right? I I definitely believe that if you're going to grow a business don't pay yourself a ton, like pay yourself well enough so that you're well off. And I'm, I'm talking multiple six figures, but don't be like, well, my company makes a million and I pull out 800,000. You're an idiot. If you're doing that, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm very blind. You're going to end your company real quick, but okay. It's going to be done. And my, my generation, the millennial generation, that's all they do. They buy a Lamborghini. They have this ridiculous house. And you're like, if you have a million dollars and you can roll in 500,000 into testing marketing, you're going to be a hundred millionaire within three years because that's a serious amount of investment. In my opinion, he who spends the most wins always. Mm. And if you can figure out what amount of money the industry is spending and say, can I spend 10 times that you're going to win? There's tons of different ways to do this through funnels and through whatnot. But I, I'll just tell you what works well for us in the B2B sector. I love investing in LinkedIn lead generation because it's hyper-targeted, really easy to target businesses. And none of, none of this like automations crap. It's like run ads on there, right? So running ads there works great. Referral relationships, we basically rely completely on referral relationships right now. But to grow my show, we, people who listen to podcasts, listen to podcasts, right? So instead of advertising on Facebook, we advertise on other people's podcasts because it ends, ends up pushing their audience to us. I highly recommend to you is no matter what industry you're in, figure out how you can spend the most. I, I constantly watch businesses will do this and they're trying to figure out how to get the cheapest lead cost. That's the fastest way to failure. It's mm. again, he who spends the most wins. It's wow, crazy. That, that really rings true for me. Uh, okay. So let me get run another word by and see what I get. Failure. <laughs> what do you think about the word failure? Yeah. I'm going to tell a story about this. Okay. I love illustrating with story because it makes it make uh, sense. And you're doing great at it. I love it. <laughs> um, I went to this um, event five, six years ago and Jesse Itzler was on stage. Do you know who Jesse Itzler is? No. Nobody does, but he's a billionaire. Okay. 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 Jesse Itzler built this, um, this business 
where he basically curated flights like pro flights or excuse me, uh, private, private flights on like G six jets. Right. Um, and that alone brought him to the billions of dollars. Nobody knows who he is unless you're like a big wing person, but he spoke on stage and is the most down to earth person. But then funny enough, he married Sarah Blakely from Spanx. She was the first, she's the first, uh, female self-made billionaire. I do know that. Okay. Yeah. She's, she's a big name person. They put together this program that was, uh, all about, I'm telling this story probably way too long than I should, but they, they put together this program and pitched it on stage and it was like super cheap. It was like $300 a month for like six months to basically learn from them. And it was, I registered for it. There are 35,000 people at this event. I registered for it and there were only 30 others who bought, which I thought was hilarious. I was the only one to show up. So I got one-on-one coaching with these two for like six months. It was awesome. And <laughs> Sarah, Sarah tells this story and I, I love her perspective on this because she did, um, uh, her dad growing up, they would sit down at the dinner table and he would say, okay, what did you fail at today? And his kids would like, they, they got this, this learning from him that failure is actually a really good thing. Cause it means you tried, right. You attempted. And so my belief is that if you will just try to fail every day, you're going to come out the other end so much more successful because the truth in the business world is that knowing what to do is not important. It's knowing what not to do that is crucial because if you try to do everything, you're going to get so much more value out of what not to do than you are from what to do because everybody's going to sell you on a million different ways to make a million dollars. But none of them are going to tell you my method doesn't work. It's not going to work in your model. It's not going to work with X, Y, Z. Right. And so my belief is that fail, 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 and focus on how you can figure out what not to do as fast as possible. And and learn from that and build that into successes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I knew you'd have a great insight on risk and failure uh, because I think entrepreneurs think differently, right? And if we get too conservative, as you've illustrated through every point, we really, um, we think we're doing ourselves a favor, but it really uh, stops your progress. So my yeah. friend, Josh, tell us a little bit more about the Pantheon and, and specifically, and then where we can find you as we want, as we want to hear more. Yeah, I love this. Thank you for letting me share this because you know, I've been talking about podcasting a lot, but I believe, and I know in my heart of hearts, it works in the B2B sector, period. If you're in B2B, and you're trying to level up your game and actually generate a multi-million dollar company, that's what we've done with the Pantheon. So I used to charge 10 grand a month to do what we do. Used to, we're still doing it. But we charge tens of thousands of dollars a month to actually build this for people. But what we found is some people are like, I've got the team. I feel like I could do this myself. And so the Pantheon is actually building this system for referrals and generating these relationships and then scaling your podcast, right? So most people will look at this offer and go, okay, well, I want to get listeners to my podcast, but what we're really here to do is to help you build a joint venture co-branding machine that generates serious amounts of cash right off the bat. Um, so that's that's the Pantheon in of itself. I actually, I come in, it's a group coaching program. We train, we teach, we're constantly building new material for it, but um, you can go over to pantheonmastermind.com and that's where that's where you can basically get into our world and see what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I've been a member for three or four months now. And yes, my podcast has grown, but more importantly, so many podcasters like me 
it felt like a duty of service, right? You're getting lots of positive feedback and 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 very little compensation. And now Josh and team have taught us five or six solid strategies because I love not hanging it on one strategy, right? But five yeah. or six solid strategies on how to monetize your podcast. So I encourage everybody to look it up one more time. Where's what's that address to go look so at? It's PantheonMastermind.com. I'm going to spell Pantheon for those of you who don't know the word. It's P-A-N-T-H-E-O-N. Yeah. Awesome. And did you know a very little known fact? I was in Italy two weeks ago and I took a picture in front of the real Pantheon temple (laughs) in Rome and sent it to your team. So uh, the (laughs) real original Pantheon. (laughs) You know what's hilarious is Alex Sanfilippo from Podmatch was there that exact same time. You guys were probably sitting across from each other. Uh, I am a member of Podmatch. I should have, I should have paid. He sent me a video, same thing. He's like, I can't see any other Pantheon members here. What's going on? Yeah, (laughs) I was there. I should have pinged them. Okay. That's so awesome, man. Hey, Josh, really appreciate the time. You've been very generous with your ideas and your time and your your mindset to be a successful entrepreneur and some practices. So thanks very much. You bet. Thank you for having me. You're awesome. Thank you.